the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. W262CP, Bayonet Point, WTBN, Pinellas Park. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. see, spending time with God in prayer and the Word, which is what a devotional life is, a quiet time is, keeps your focus on Jesus Christ and not your own accomplishments. It causes you to be humble because you are constantly faced with the standards of Scripture. And so you are convicted. You see your sin. The Word convicts us of wrong attitudes, reveals to us our hearts need to be corrected. And it's like looking in a mirror and you go, whoa, I don't like what I see. That kind of stuff. That's what the Word does. The 17th century English preacher John Flavel said, They that know God will be humble. They that know themselves cannot be proud. Humility is a nebulous thing. It is impossible to have it and to know you have it at the same time. The roots of pride grow deep within us, and the great danger is that they feed on goodness. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse. Our speaker is Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. For over 27 years, Pastor Steve has been delivering clear, expository, or verse-by-verse messages. Now they come to your radio through the work of Verse-by-Verse Ministries. We have been studying the life of King David over the past few weeks and are nearing the conclusion of our study. Today is the middle of Pastor Steve's final message on David one in which David demonstrated the danger of success. First Chronicles 21 tells us that Satan moved David to take a census. What is wrong with taking a census? Well, nothing, unless it was Satan who prompted you to do it. Grab your Bible and let's resume our lesson at that point. Here's Pastor Steve. Now you might wonder, in case you're not wondering, I'll suggest to you that you should wonder this. Where was God? Where was God in all this? We read about Satan... But where was God? I thought God is more powerful than Satan. Well, I told you at the beginning of the message that the, uh, there's a uh, parallel chapter in, first, in 2 Samuel chapter 24, the closing chapter of 2 Samuel, is a parallel chapter. And we read verse 1, it says, Now again, the anger of the Lord burned against Israel, and it incited, meaning the anger of God incited David against them to say, Go, number Israel and Judah. Now, that's very interesting. In 2 Samuel, we read that it was God who incited David to do this. In Chronicles, we read that it was Satan who incited David to do this. Is that a contradiction? Can't be. It's the word of God. Can't be a contradiction. It's not a contradiction. It's it's basically this. God used Satan to tempt David to do this evil because God's purpose was to teach David and Israel a lesson about humility that would promote their spiritual growth. It's no different than, than when, when Job in the Old Testament was um, uh, Satan inflicted Job. It was God who gave him permission 
God is so sovereign that he used Satan and he continues to use Satan to accomplish his purposes. Now, the difference is this. When Satan tempts, it's with the intention of us falling. And that was certainly the case with David. When Satan tempts, it's with his motivation and purpose and intentions for for David to fall, for us to fall. When God tests us, it's with the intention and purpose for us to pass. In other words, what God does is beneficial for us. That's his heart. When, when God uses Satan, Satan's motive is to destroy you spiritually. So it, they're coming from two different motives. But uh, in this case, God used Satan in order to uh, accomplish God's overall purpose. And that was to teach David a lesson of humility in all of Israel. His anger was not just against David. It was against Israel, their rebellion to him. Remember, Satan is the author of pride. He's the one who said to God, I will be like the Most High. And uh, he is uh, very happy. He was very happy to tempt David to be proud too. He tempted David to sin, and David certainly did sin. Notice as we go back to Chronicles, verses 2 and 3. So David said to Joab and to the princes of the people, Go number Israel from Beersheba, or Beersheba, even to Dan, and bring me word that I may know their number. And Joab said, May the Lord add to his people a hundred times as many as they are. But my Lord, the king, are they not all my Lord's servants? Why does my Lord seek this evil? Uh, Why should uh, he be a cause of guilt to Israel? Joab, his general, has an idea of what's going on now. And um, he's warning David, don't do this. David, you've got all the troops that you need. And if you needed more, God can give you more. Why do this? But David overruled him, verses 4 through 6, say, Nevertheless, the king's word prevailed against Joab. Therefore, Joab... Uh, departed and went through all Israel and came to uh, Jerusalem. And Joab gave the numbers of the census and so forth. And, we, um, and we've read that before where he gave all these big numbers, but he didn't give Levi and Benjamin because it was so abhorrent to, uh, to Joab. Now, what do we learn at this point? What do we learn about success and pride from David's experience from this incident? Several things, two things specifically. Number one, Great men and great women of God fail in this area. They fail. None of us is above it or beyond it, pride. No matter how long you've been a Christian. David has been a believer for many, many, many years. He's an old man. And he's basically walked with God. He's called a man after God's own heart. He's, we're told that he had devotion to the Lord. But even still, David at times got in the flesh. So the million dollar question is this. How do we keep then from being overtaken by pride? If we know pride's a problem and it never gets easier, the older you get, you may think, well, I'm a young Christian. I have struggles with this. When uh, I've been a believer for many years, it won't bother me. Um, I don't think so. You'll always have a struggle in that area of pride. How do you uh, handle it? You want to write this down. You certainly want to remember it by being in touch with God by your own devotional life. That's how you stay humble. There is no indication in this passage of Scripture or in Samuel that David was in touch with God. No indication. David, uh, there's no indication he was spending time in prayer. There's no indication he was seeking the Lord's guidance on this. No indication he was meditating on Scripture. Christians who have a problem with pride are those who are out of touch with God. 
Now, all of us struggle with pride, but I'm talking about when you're not struggling. David wasn't struggling with pride. He just gave into it. There's a difference between struggling. We all know if you've walked with the Lord, you, we all know how proud and egotistical we can be. Those who walk with the Lord uh, deal with that by confession of sin and by making sure that we humble ourselves. But those who are out of touch with God, they, they don't even hear that message. They don't even care about that. Christians who have a problem with pride are those who are out of touch with the Lord. Their quiet times either don't exist Or it's so inconsistent that basically it doesn't exist. You see, spending time with God in prayer and the word, which is what a devotional life is, a quiet time is, uh, keeps your focus on Jesus Christ and not your own accomplishments. It causes you to be humble because you are constantly faced with the standards of Scripture. And so you are convicted. You see your sin. The word convicts us of, of wrong attitudes, reveals to us, uh, our, our hearts uh, need to be corrected, and, and you just you, you you keep. It's like looking in a mirror, and you go, "Whoa, I don't like what I see." That kind of stuff. That's what the word does. David had really lost touch with God. It's a sad thing, but he had. He lost uh, sight of the fact that his strength lay in the one who had given him success, um, not in his own resources. I, I wonder if 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 you have forgotten that. I wonder if in your own life you've, you've lost touch with God. Uh, you're busy in church activities. There are so many socials going on at the church, uh, so many programs going on, so many evenings you could be out. You know what? You can go weeks and weeks and weeks and forget that you have a priority of spending time with God. This is the easiest time of the year to backslide, ironically, paradoxically. Now, it, but it has to be a priority. It has to be a priority. You can become too busy for God, too busy even in doing good things. And let me just show you what a priority it must be. I'd like you to uh, turn to Mark chapter 1, all the way in the New Testament. Mark chapter 1 reveals to us, by a day in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, what must be the highest priority for us. Mark chapter 1, beginning at verse 21, tells us about one day in the life of Jesus Christ. It's not over a period of weeks. It's over a period of one day. One day. Starts in the morning, verse 21. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue, he began to teach. So the day started off in the morning. Jesus was teaching in Capernaum. And they were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as the scribes. And just then, there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, What do we have to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And throwing him into convulsions, the unclean spirit cried out with a loud voice and came out of him. And they were all amazed that they debated amongst themselves, What is this? A new teaching with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. Now, do you realize what that morning was like? He's teaching, and all of a sudden, someone starts yelling at him and convulsing and all that, and Jesus rebukes him, and now they're in a debate. I mean, that's emotionally draining. Emotionally draining. He casts out the demon. Verse 28 says, Immediately the news about him went out everywhere into the surrounding district of Galilee some Saturday morning. What did he do in the afternoon? Verse 29. I mean, you would think that in the afternoon he'd say, I'd like to take a nap. That was really draining. 
Verse 29, immediately after they had come out, notice that word immediately, it took place right after they had come out of the synagogue, they came into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. If you've ever been to Capernaum, you would see that uh, the synagogue is basically, the old synagogue is right next to what we believe is Peter's home. So they went out of the synagogue, went right over there. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was laying sick with a fever, and immediately they spoke to him about her. And he came to her, he raised her up, taking her by the hand, and the fever left her, and she waited on them. So in the afternoon, he healed Peter's mother-in-law. He didn't just go there and be served. He had to serve. He had to minister. What about the evening? Well, that got even busier. Verse 32, when evening had come, after the sun had set, they began bringing to him all who were ill and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city, that, that means a village. It doesn't mean a city of a million people, but a lot of people had gathered at the door. And he healed many who were ill with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he was not permitting the demons to speak because they knew who he was. Now, would you agree with me that this was a busy day? This was a tiring day. You would think that Jesus, when he went to sleep that night, would say, you know, I, uh, I really need to sleep in. It's been an exhausting day. I'm really tired. It started early morning, went till late. I, I really need a little, little break. But verse 35 says this, and early in the morning, that is the next day, while it was still dark, he arose, went out and departed to a lonely place and was praying there. I'm impressed with that. I'm impressed with that, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, said that spending time alone with the Father, no matter how busy I am, that's a priority for me. And folks, if that's a priority for the Son of God, then it's a priority for us, right? In spite of that hectic pace, in spite of that busy schedule, Jesus made sure that he spent time alone with God. Now, he didn't have to... uh, He didn't have sin in him. There was no sin. But you and I struggle with sin. He was tempted, but there was no sin. But we can give in to the sin of pride. And what keeps us and keeps that under control is making sure we have a devotional life. So what's your quiet time like? You spending time alone with the Lord? Or have you crowded God out of your schedule? If so, you can easily fall into the sin of pride. Because there's no reminders on a daily basis that what you have doesn't come from your own strength, but it comes from God. You rely upon yourself and not him. Now, the second thing we can learn about uh, success and pride from, from David's experience is that those who are in a position of leadership are most vulnerable to the sin of pride. I think, we, I think that's obvious from First Chronicles. We turn back there. Now, why is that? Because those who are in leadership are answerable to no one. At least that can be the way it is. There's no authority over them. They, uh, they, do, they can do as they please, and nobody can challenge that. That's a dangerous, dangerous place to be. Joab, David's general, warned him. And it says that David overruled him. David's attitude was, I'm the king, you're not going to tell me what to do. And uh, David got what he wanted. Listen, One of the reasons I'm convinced that so many Christian leaders fall morally and spiritually is because no one holds them accountable. And when wicked attitudes come in, and that's where it starts, when attitudes come in, wrong attitudes, there's no one there who tells them that's wrong, that's sinful, you need to repent of that. Why? Because they're kind of a little intimidated by a leader, especially if you work for that guy. 
who's going to stand up to me might fire you. And eventually those wrong attitudes fester and they become wrong actions. And you think, where were the people who loved that person to tell them the truth? When you are successful, and, and especially, and listen to me, those of you who are older, at least older than me, as you might say, what is older? Older than me is older. When you are successful and older than most people and have lived a longer time than most people, it is easy to develop an unteachable spirit. You've heard it all. Well, not all, but you think you have. And um, you don't want to hear from especially younger people, even if it's the truth. And there tends to be a know-it-all attitude. And you know what? That is pride. That is sinful pride. That's wrong. David certainly had this. He was older than most. He had been king. He was answerable to God. And he wasn't even thinking about God. And if you want to avoid David's sin of pride, then surround yourselves no matter what age you are, but especially when you're older, surround yourselves with men and women who put integrity on a pedestal and not you. Integrity. Now, it could be a spouse who will tell you the truth. Gentlemen, listen to your wife. Wives, listen to your husband. Listen to your children. It could be, uh, could be elders. It could be uh, uh, your staff in any way. It could be close friends. But somebody around you who will not be afraid to tell you you're the man, you're the woman, in the sense that Nathan told David you had sinned a long time ago with Bathsheba. So surround yourselves with people like that, people who are free to tell you the truth, even if the truth hurts. So the first danger that can come from success is that it tends to breed pride. The second danger is not only that it tends to breed pride, but um, success often and, and sinning with pride hurts other people. Verses 7 through 14, we read this. God was displeased with this thing, so he struck Israel. And David said to God, I have sinned greatly in that I have done this thing. But now please take away the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. The Lord spoke to Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and uh, speak to David, saying, Thus says the Lord, I will offer you three things. Choose for yourself one of them that I may do it to you. Now let's stop here because we read this before. From these verses and on to verse 14, we learn that at some point after the census was taken, David saw how rebellious he had been and he confessed his sin. He repented of it. What led up to that? I don't know. But he was a man sensitive to the Lord and God got through. In 2 Samuel 24.10, it says that, that uh, David's heart troubled him after he had numbered the people. That is, he was crushed by guilt. He was crushed by guilt. His heart was troubled, and he admitted his sin to God. But instead of just forgiving David, the passage goes on to say that God uh, said, I will give you three options because I will not only punish you, I will punish Israel. Now, you may wonder why God had to punish the whole nation, because the other week we just spent the whole time saying that the soul that sins, it shall die. It shall, uh, be, it shall accept punishment. Why then, if David did this, does all of Israel have to, have to be punished? Because I remind you in 2 Samuel 24, which you just looked at, it said that God incited David. Let's, let's look at it again so you'll see it. It says, now again, the anger of the Lord burns against Israel, and it incited David. It wasn't just David who was in sin. There was a rebelliousness to Israel. What exactly it was, we don't know. Maybe it was just generally in rebellion to God. 
God brought this upon the whole nation. The whole nation had to be chastised, disciplined, punished because of their sin. So God may have used David as the leader of the nation, but it was really for Israel that this, that this happened, and God was disciplining them. And so God not only forgave David, but he said, I'm going to give you three options. Choose one, in the, three options in the form of chastisement. Number one, he said, and these are, I'm just not reading those verses because I read it before. Number one, you could have three years of famine in the land. Now that, that's not good, three years of famine. They had just come through a time like that, so uh, that's not good. Number two, you could flee for three months from your enemies, which uh, would greatly affect the nation. David decided not to choose that because, remember, David had fled much of his earlier life from Saul. He wasn't about to do that. And he said the third option, and this is the one he chose, was three days of pestilence in the land in which many people would die. And David chose that, and we, we, um, he says in verse 13, I'm in great distress over this. And in verse 14, we read that there were 70,000 men who died. Now, this is not an encouraging portion of Scripture. There were 70,000 fresh graves in Israel. However, it is instructive for us because it reminds us of an important principle. And before you look at the principle, by the way, this was very appropriate for David and the nation because David was basically saying, I want to see my military strength, how many men I have. And God said, I'll show you how many men you have. You have 70,000 less than you began with. That's what I think of that. But it is an important principle for us. Nobody sins alone. You may think your sin doesn't affect other people, but it does. Nobody sins in a vacuum. Your sin affects others. It hurts other people. And this is especially true, watch this, if you are a leader. If you are a leader. James chapter 3, you don't need to turn there, I'll just read it to you. James chapter 3, verse 1 says, Let not many of you become teachers, meaning teachers in the church. My brethren, knowing that as such we shall incur a stricter judgment. James is saying, don't rush to be a leader in the church because there is a more stringent judgment for those who are. Now, why? Why does God judge a leader more stringently than he does others? Because leaders have the opportunity to affect so many lives under them that if they blow it, and fall, they take many people with them. They also have the opportunity to bless many people. But the more successful you are, the more dangerous it is in the sense that there's the potential there to hurt people. People follow you. Now, this isn't only the case with church leaders. It's parents as well. It's uh, disciple makers. It's teachers. It's uh, anybody who walks with Christ who has people looking at them. You're a leader to somebody. Even if you're a young person, you're a leader in your school. They look up to you. And if you fall, and if you sin, it affects others. It affects others. So success tends to breed pride. It also hurts other people if you allow that pride to be bred. Leadership is a frightening position. Like a surgeon's scalpel, leadership has the power to either heal or harm. Let's be sure we are spiritually prepared before we assume great responsibility. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been serving for over 27 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These daily Bible classes are produced by Verse by Verse Ministries. We are a faith ministry dependent upon the prayers and financial gifts of our listeners. Now here is Pastor Steve with some thoughts on that subject. 
I'm Pastor Steve Kreloff, and it's my hope that you're encouraged in your faith and strengthened spiritually through the teaching you receive on Verse by Verse. We believe that the Word of God has answers for problems. We know that life has stresses, life has pressures. We're looking for answers. We believe that the place to look is the Word of God, and we are uh, grateful every time we hear that someone is listening to the radio, and uh, our program has been transformed by by Scripture, because uh, the Word of God is not only inspired, but Paul said it is profitable, and it will transform lives. So we're grateful that uh, we could come into your home, into your car, and and help you deal with life's pressures. If you've been blessed through verse by verse, please consider supporting this ministry with prayer and your financial gifts. You can call 727-441-1714. That's 727 727- 441-1714 or drop us a line at P.O. Box 5884 Clearwater, Florida 33758 That's P.O. Box 5884 Clearwater, Florida 33758 Visit our website to learn more about Verse by Verse or to listen to the classes in our audio archives. The web address is versebyverseradio all one word dot o-r-g To order a CD or cassette with this message, call us at 727-239-0306. Leave your name and a phone number, and we will return your call during regular office hours. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.